Welcome. Uh, well, as David said, my name's Mike. It's so good to be with you. Um, so excited to be uh, sharing with you this evening. If you're new or visiting, it might be helpful for you to know that we're, we're kind of in the middle of a bit of a, well, kind of at the start, really, of a, a teaching series over summer called Growing Greener. And we're looking at what it looks like um, to share um, the love of Jesus through our words and our deeds to those people around us, uh, those in our communities. And we're thinking about taking... Um, our two spaces that we can kind of sometimes think that we've got. So our yellow space might be our Sundays, our, our worship time here, our, um, our life groups gathering in our evening, our devotional time in the morning. And then our blue space might be kind of out in the world, in our communities, at college, at university, wherever we are. And we're thinking, how can we merge the two and not live lives that are separate, but bring Jesus into all of the kind of things that we are engaging with throughout our week? But we're kind of going to step a little back from that today, and we're going to be looking at the reason behind why we want to do that. We're going to ask ourselves, why exactly are we looking at that? Why are we interested? Why is it important? And the heart behind it is what's important. And we'll never get it right all the time, um, but there's a, there's a healthy challenge in there for us to be, to be getting our reason for, for doing this thing that we call evangelism, sharing our faith, sharing Jesus with others. Um, we, the, we want the reason to be... Right, the last thing that we want is for, um, because of a, a result of a summer initiative called Growing Greener, is a load of people going out doing a load of projects to people. We want people doing it for people. We don't want it to be because church told me to. We want to know what is the reason behind it. Why, why are we doing what we're doing? Why would we want to share Jesus with people? Um, or pray for people or um, give financial support, you know, all the things that we might do in the name of Jesus. Why are we doing it? Not just because um, church tells us to or the Bible tells us to. What, why would we be? Um, and the short answer to that question is because we want to be moved by compassion. That's what we're going to be looking at this evening. The phrase that does appear a few times, particularly with Jesus involved, to be moved by compassion. And we're going to use the, the story of the man with leprosy. And we're going to look, how exactly are we moved by compassion? We're going to ask ourselves that question. How are we moved by compassion? Well, I was doing a bit of Google research, and and the word is is very uh, linked with the word sympathize. So to to understand, to have have recognition with um, what the person is going through so that we have compassion for them because we understand, we we sympathize. Um, And so ultimately, it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. Just as the Pope was just sharing, it's about enlarging our hearts. Well, I love that we've, we've listened to that this evening because what we're going to talk about this evening is very similar. Although I'm not using the phrase enlarging our hearts, I'm going to ask the question about how we break our hearts. How can we have a broken heart for those around us? How does that happen to us? We, we often sing that song, Hosanna, that I think you, many of you will know. Uh, and the line says, break my heart for what breaks yours? And I don't know about you, but I often find myself singing that one, one second and going, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And, and, I, and I feel really passionate about it when I'm singing it. And then I, I leave these four walls and nothing really changes. Um, so we're going to look at this evening, how can we break our hearts? How can we have our hearts broken for those around us? And Jesus is, of course, the best example that we can turn to to look at this. So we're going to look at the Gospels. Um, we're going to turn to Mark. Uh, 1 verse 40 to 42 if you want to join us there's Bibles down here but it's very short and the, the verse will be on the screen so I'm going to read it Mark 1 40 to 42 this is an encounter that Jesus has with someone so it says a man with leprosy came to him to Jesus and begged him on his knees if you are willing you can make me clean 
and then moved with compassion or filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and, and he was cured. I'm going to read it again because it's so short and it's a great passage. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, on his knees if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out to him and touched the man and said, I am willing. And he said, be clean. And then immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. So it's a very short passage, only three verses. And so basically what we're going to do this evening is work through them verse by verse. Um, So the first two verses are going to teach us how we can grow greener, how we can be moved with compassion, how we can ask God to break our hearts for what breaks his. And then the the third verse is going to show us um, what happens as a result. So we're going to look at this evening, um, I was asking myself the question, as I've said, um, how can I grow in compassion? I, was, I felt really challenged by that, actually. I, felt, I, was, I was asking, am I a compassionate person? Does that flow out of me naturally? And I thought, actually, there's, there's quite a few people around me that I think I could say I'm, I'm really compassionate towards those people. And I realized very quickly that it's all the people that I have the best relationship with because I find it really easy to have a broken heart for the people that I know and the people that I love but I felt immediately challenged about being compassionate, about having a broken heart for those people that I don't know. So I thought, how can I grow in having a broken heart? So that's what we're going to be looking at this evening. Um, And so we're going to look at the two A's of heartbreak. That's what we're going to look at this evening, the two A's of heartbreak. And and they are, uh, if you're a note-taking type, um, attention and action. So the two A's of heartbreak are attention and action. We'll dip into some other stories, but we'll be focused mainly in uh, this one with the man of leprosy. So let's have a look. Attention, uh, verse 1 of the, uh, of the story. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. So it might sound a bit obvious, but if we want to be moved with compassion, if we want our hearts to be broken for the things that breaks God's heart, then we have to check our attention. We have to ask, where are we putting our attention? Where are we spending our time, um, our energies, and our efforts? Because we can only have compassion if we can relate to the person or the individual or the situation in front of us. We can only empathize through relationship, and that only comes through attention. And so the word compassion actually sometimes comes from this, um, this root idea of that, that gut feeling that you have, that gut, it's so intertwined to who we are that when we move with compassion, we almost feel a pain from within us. And I think if we're really honest, we only really get that feeling when, when we're really invested in the thing that is moving us with compassion, that is moving our hearts to be broken. So we have to give things our attention in order to allow that sense to grow. Uh, Romans 12, uh, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. If we, if we want to be a group of people that can celebrate or mourn with those around us, we have to be intertwined. We have to know what's going on. We have to be in relationship with them in order to celebrate or in order to mourn. We have to be giving our attention to people. Um, so, and I just wonder, we, we live in a world that teaches us to, to look away so many times. It's so easy in this world to keep everything at an arm's length because it's on the other end of the screen or it's on the other end of the world or we can just cross the road in a busy life and say that we haven't got time to talk about it. And I found myself asking myself, why are we not surprised, or why am I not surprised, I don't know, you might be, when we, when we hear about murder or rape on the news? 
um, or stabbings? Or why are we not surprised when we hear about poverty or when we see poverty on our doorstep? Or why are we not surprised when we meet our neighbor and we find out that they don't know Jesus? Why doesn't that create a, that gut-wrenching feeling of compassion within us? And it's because we've become accustomed to it being everyday life. And, it, and actually, it probably was everyday life for Jesus too, but he wasn't going to stand for that. He was moved with compassion. He wanted to do something about it. He gave his attention to it. And so we can give our attention to um, seen things and unseen things. That's kind of two, two little subheadings that we're going to be looking at. There's a whole lot of other things that we could look at, but the seen and the un- unseen. And as I was thinking about that, that song that says, break my heart for what breaks yours, um, there's a line isn't there, that says, open up my eyes to the things unseen. I've been, I've been really wrestling with that song as, as I've been preparing. And, and I found myself thinking, yeah, we do sing that, don't we? Open up my eyes to the things unseen. But I was immediately challenged, and I thought, do you know what? Sometimes it's right in front of our face. And sometimes it's not the unseen. It's just right there, right in front of us. The man with leprosy wasn't unseen. He was literally in front of Jesus, begging for his attention. And so Jesus gave it to him. It was a seen thing. It wasn't some mystery. It was right there, right in front of him. And I wonder if that's the same for us. Jesus made himself available. He was interruptible. So I wonder how interruptible we are as a community of people. Are we ready to be... Um, interrupted for the things that we see right in front of us. Do we actually see it or do we just walk on by because we're so consumed in what we're looking at on our screens or where we're heading to next or, or what our own agenda is? Giving our attention sometimes means just taking it off other things and being available to look at the things that God is asking us to look at. Do we rush past our neighbors or do we stop for a chat and a conversation to find out a bit about them? Do we listen to the news or do we actually just say, do you know what, it's just so depressing so I'm not, going to listen. I'm not going to watch it. I do that so many times. I just go, the news is depressing. I'm not going to watch it. But how, how can we have broken hearts for things going on in the world if we're not invested in finding out what's actually going on? Um, do we engage in meaningful, meaningful conversations with our friends to find out what's going on in their lives, to dig deep into the dirt of people's lives? Or are we kind of half engaged in the conversation and scrolling through Instagram at the same time? And I, I put my hands up to be guilty of all of the above. I've been really challenged as, as I've been preparing for this. In Matthew 14:14, uh, 14, 14, just before the feeding of the 5,000, we hear, hear how Jesus arrived at a place and saw a large crowd. It says straight away he saw the large crowd and then he had compassion on them and then begun to heal them. So Jesus was always looking out. He was always looking for opportunities to minister, to love, to give his attention And so I wonder when we see a large crowd, or even just an individual, um, do we allow ourselves enough time and attention and energy to be moved by compassion, or do we just walk on by? Jesus sees people so intimately. He's always present. He's always present in the moment. I wonder if there's a challenge in there for us to be present in moments at times. Because as I've said, heartbreak comes out of relationship and we have to give our attention to something in order to grow relationship. And there's such a constant pull in this life, in society, on our time and our energy and our attention. And they're not all bad things, but being intentional about the time, where we put our time in order to build relationships with people, to be, to be stirred enough, to be stirred. If we give our attention so that we can be stirred, so that we'll then move with compassion. In 1 Peter 3, verse 8, he encourages us. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, 
and be humble. I believe that they're all intertwined. If we're going to be like-minded, we need to understand where people are at and where they're coming from. To be sympathetic, we've got to engage with people. There's, um, a couple of years ago, I, um, a few years ago now actually, I was um, running a job club, um, helping unemployed people find work, and, and there was a guy that came through our doors. I, I might have shared this story before. Um, we'll call him Paul, for argument's sake. And he was actually um, a convicted paedophile. So there was not many people around that really wanted to give him a lot of time of day, um, for all the reasons that you can understand. He's basically a modern-day leper, just as lots of people said to Jesus, how can you go near a leper, how can you touch him? But there would be a lot of that around a known paedophile in society. And I found myself being really challenged to spend time with him, because there was like nobody around willing to sit down with him and pray with him and support him and help him find work. And I found that the more I got to know him, and the more that I had conversations with him, of course there was a whole load of brokenness in there, but I just found myself being stirred like so deeply that I, just, I remember just um, having a conversation about how we were going to support him, and there was kind of loads of voices in the room going, you know, we need to keep him away from people, and we need to set up a separate group for him, and all this kind of stuff. And I just burst into tears. I had that, I had that gut compassion thing, because I was like, this guy needs Jesus. He needs our compassion. But right at the start, I was, I was probably just with everyone else, just going, gosh, how do, I, how do I begin to minister and support this person that I feel so strongly angry about the, some of the things that he's been wrapped up in? But then as I spent time with him, as I gave him my attention, I began to be moved with compassion. My heart broke for him, which allowed me to enter into a relationship with him, which then opened up loads of doors for us to be able to help him. And, and eventually, he gave his life to Jesus, which was amazing. Where are we? Uh, so if you want to grow in compassion for something, if you, want to, uh, if you want your heart to be broken for something, then I'm sure it's far more complicated than this, but for, for today at least, give it your attention. Step one, give it your attention, give it your time. What are the things around you that you know need your attention, but you um, choose not to, or um, quite frankly, because potentially it's just too inconvenient for you to give your time to it? Maybe it's a fellow student struggling with um, stress, or people that need wisdom um, to help Jesus um, guide them in their life, and you think, oh, that's just too much. I just don't have the time of day to start to get into that. Um, Or a colleague that needs you to just sit and listen to them, or someone needs you to pray for them. People around you with financial or physical needs, building a relationship with your neighbors, all this stuff that we could see around us that I know it's so easy to just walk on past. Maybe there's a moment this evening to just ask God, ask God what, are the, what are those things that need my attention? And of course, um, there'll be some, there will be some unseen things. So we said the seen, but then there's also the unseen. So what, there will be some unseen things that we would, we would love to pray for God to open our eyes of what he wants us to give our attention to. And it might, it might be that someone's leprosy, someone's version of leprosy, their, their need um, is not that obvious. You might not be able to see it straight off. Most people around us, actually, in today's society, don't present with a, a huge amount of need. You know, they've got roofs over their head, they've got money in their pockets, they've got friends, they've got families. Um, you know, quite a lot of society that don't, have, don't know Jesus, often that we engage with, are, are pretty, by all accounts, together people, apart from the fact that we know there's a really secret thing that's missing. And so we, we could be praying and asking God, what are the things unseen about this individual that are going to help me uh, minister to them? What, what is going to unlock great conversation with them? What are the unseen things? 
We might want to pray that the Lord would give, would give us a prophetic picture to share with, some, with someone. Or we could simply ask the question, what do you need? How can I serve you? How can I love you? Um, in Matthew 20, Jesus heals um, two blind men after they shout his, na- his name. And he simply says to them, what do you want me to do for you? And then after that, we read that he's moved with compassion and he heals them. Just plain as day, he just asks the question. He just says, what, what is it in your life that needs my attention? So sometimes it's a spiritual thing that we want to pray and we want God to reveal. Sometimes we just need to give it the time of day and just ask the question, what are the things that I don't know that I need to help you with, that you you would like help with? So do we ask? Do we ask the questions? Or do we ignore and just pretend that it's all okay? Or actually, potentially, even worse, do we just assume that we know what the need is without asking or praying? It's through attention that we can really identify with people and their needs. Through the attention that we give them, it's, it's how, we will be, how we will grow in compassion, how, how will the, they will know that we're genuinely interested in them as an individual. You, uh, many moons ago, I used to run um, bars and restaurants, and they were really hot on hospitality. And they, they used to teach us this thing when we were serving people, A, B, C, D. And it used to stand for always be collecting dots because they, they loved the thought that we'd be engaging with our customers into such a deep level that it would open up opportunities for greater hospitality. And so I'm going to steal that this evening and go, how can we be, always be collecting dots that will open up opportunities for greater evangelism and greater opportunities to be moved with compassion? And so as an example, there was one of my staff members who was serving um, a couple who'd come in and they were having some food and she was just chatting to them about why they were here and you know, just genuinely paying an interest in them, giving them attention to find out who they are and what they're up to. And she found out in that conversation that they'd bought tickets to a theatre show, um, but they'd kind of got their calendars mixed up and they'd turned up on the wrong day. So they kind of had like a wasted trip and they'd come all this way and they said, well, we'll just have some food and then we'll like go home and we'll have to come back another time. But this member of staff took it upon themselves to then go away and go and speak to the theatre and say, do you know what, we've got some customers, they bought some tickets, uh, they've come to the wrong day, um, is there any chance you could like kind of change things around for them so they could just come and see the show today? And the theatre agreed, so she went back to the table and said, do you know what, don't worry, you, your trip's not ruined, um, I've arranged for you to go to the show today. She wouldn't have had that opportunity if she hadn't engaged with the conversation with them, given them the attention, done the ABCD thing, and found out about them in order to help them. The same is true for us. We need to be engaging in conversation. We need to be giving people our attention to find out then how Jesus can serve them. So, attention is the first A of heartbreak. Being willing and intentional about where you place your energy and your efforts. Jesus was interruptible, approachable, observant. He noticed people. It's not actually rocket science, but I do believe that it's quite key. If we engage with people on a meaningful level, then we will be moved with compassion. So the second A is action, if you remember. Um, So the second verse um, of the story that we're looking at goes on to say, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. So it's not enough on its own to just have attention. We have to be moved with compassion to act, to do something as a response of what we've heard and how we've been stirred. 
So it's important to note that for Jesus, as we've said earlier, to touch the leper, um, that was like totally taboo. It was like a, a huge social and spiritual like no-go for him to go near, talk to, or touch a leper. He was hugely overstepping a boundary. It will have shocked onlookers, um, this step of uncleansing, as they would have called it back then. It was hugely, potentially costly for him. But he did it anyway, and I believe that there's a message in there for us about doing it anyway. The man, the man with leprosy himself knew that it was a risk to even ask Jesus, which is why he said, if you are willing, if you, are, if you will take this step that I know is asking a lot of you, he said, if you are willing, and Jesus replied, of course I am, I am willing. So my question around action is quite simply, are we willing? Are we willing to do it? Because love without action, I don't believe really is love at all. There's got to be action involved in, in the love in, as a result of the attention. A few years ago, I um, had um, TB, which if you don't know, is kind of like this disease that decays your lungs. wasn't great. Um, and so for a first, the first couple of weeks, you're, you are contagious, so you get put in quarantine. Um, so not like actual, just kind of have to stay at home. Um, and so you know, you're told not to really see people. But Eventually, after two weeks, I got the kind of all clear to engage with people and go back to normal life and just carry on taking some medicine to get better. And my family were arranging um, a birthday party for someone. And, and, I was, and so they messaged on a WhatsApp group and were like, yeah, you know, this is the date, yada, yada, yada. And I messaged and was like, yeah, great, can't wait to come and see you. It's going to be really, really great. And then I got a phone call from one of my family members who said, actually, we'd actually prefer it if you didn't come because, you, you know, you've had that... TB thing, so we don't really want you to be like around us at the moment because we don't want to catch what you've got. Um, and I was like, oh, well, I've, <laughs> I've kind of been given the all clear from the doctor to, to like socialize with people. Um, and I could really do with some like family support right now because I'm like really poorly. Um, it'd be really great to see you. I know, you know, my family are a bit whack at times. And, um, or were, they're better now. And, um, and, but they said, no, you know, you, you can't come. And, I, and so, I was really shocked and really hurt by it, but my church family obviously heard because I, I told them, and so they gathered around me and you know, put on a little celebration for us to have time together because they were willing, they were willing, they got this stuff, they were willing to take the step and go, do you know what, even if we might believe for a second that the doctors could have got this wrong and we could get this potentially life-threatening illness, we're going to take the risk because there's someone here that needs us and needs our support, so we're willing, we're going to take the step. Um, so love acts first and then works out the consequences later. It acts first and then thinks what, what could, could have gone wrong afterwards. Um, so are we willing to take some consequences um, due to our uncontrollable compassion? Because it takes a sacrifice. It does take a sacrifice to do this stuff. Growing greener will require sacrifice from us. It will require things for us to give up. Maybe it's a barbecue or a conversation at uni or cooking a meal. At a minimum, those things are going to take time. And you know, time is really precious in today's society, isn't it? But we're going to have to be willing to, to sacrifice that in order to do this stuff. And often there's financial costs involved as well, helping someone, giving them some shopping because they really need it, or taking a friend out for a meal because you, you want to talk to them about Jesus. It's going to cost you money. Or maybe it's sharing your faith or offering to pray. Sometimes the risk is reputational. You know, I'm worried that people are going to look at me funny or, or think strange things about me if I step out and, and share this, um, this person called Jesus. It, it's a risk to do that at times. I uh, Actually, going back to stories with family, um, I'm kind of going through a, a bit of a 
process at the moment about potentially training to become a vicar, and none of my family are Christians, so it, it's quite a good opportunity for me to talk to them about my faith. And they, they ask me often, why are you doing this? Um, and so it could be quite easy for me to jump into a conversation and just give all of the really logical reasons why it might make sense. You know, Church of England are probably going to employ people forever. I hopefully won't get made redundant. I get a vicarage, you know, all this kind of stuff. You know, I could give them loads of really logical reasons why it might make sense to become a vicar. Um, but really, the challenging thing would be to go, actually, because I think God spoke to me and he told me to do it. But sometimes I really bottle it because I'm like, they're going to think I'm an absolute nut job because they just don't get it. And, and don't get me wrong, there's times when I've kind of gone down the logical route, and there's times when I've gone down the, okay, let's have a conversation about faith and this person called Jesus and the fact that we believe that we can hear from God. And sometimes it goes really well, and sometimes I think I'm an absolute fruit loop. Um, but, so there's risk involved. But when I'm, when I'm feeling good, when I'm feeling in a way that we would hope to be more often than not, then it's a great risk to take. And, and you know, the Holy Spirit meets us and, and he meets us halfway and, and we have great conversations. But there's a risk involved. Are we willing to take the risk of the action? Because when we're motivated out of love, out of our heartbreak, we will want to take the action. It won't make it easy, but it means that we'll be willing to cross social and cultural and religious boundaries. Are we willing to do that? Are our hearts broken enough for us to take those risks? Is one of my questions. Tim reminded us this morning, uh, on, speaking on the same topic of Hebrews 12, where it says, Consider him, consider Jesus, who suffered the greatest suffering of all for the sake of us. When it, and I think that's so helpful on the, on the end of thinking about our action and the risk that it might take. Whenever I think, Oh, do I, do I really want to give up my time or my money or potentially my reputation to engage in this conversation to, to help this person? I think, well, do you know what? Jesus died for me. He paid the, the biggest price he could ever pay. And so that the, the cost that I might be willing to pay now is, is only ever going to be minuscule in relation. So attention and action. And then verse 3. Let's see what happens now. So instantly... The leprosy di disappeared, and the man was healed. So what happens when we combine attention and action? Well, first of all, let's have a look at what happens when we don't combine them. Um, so attention without action, um, unfortunately, is a bit pointless. Um, so James 2 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? So we can, we can be moved, we can have a t attention, but if we, if we don't move with action, then it is literally pointless because the people that we have the actual compassion for remain exactly where they are. And if I'm honest, I'm, I'm too embarrassed to even try and count the amount of times that I've been moved with compassion, but then not actually taken the step of action afterwards where I've gone. I've had that moment of that gut feeling of thinking, I really feel for that situation, and then doing nothing about it. So I'm, I'm right here with you in the challenge of this. But attention without action is pointless. And, so, and then action without attention, I want to challenge us, is, is pity, actually. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 says this, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. 
There's no love in pity. It is just like a, an, an action. And, and we, we really don't want this, do we, church? We want, we want people to, to feel love. We want to care for people in our society. And, and I think in today's world, we're, we're a resourceful society. We're a resourceful bunch. It can be so easy for us to throw money at a problem and just go, do you know what? I'm just going to throw some money there and that, that will fix it. Um, you know, the action without the attention. I'm just going to throw money and hope, hope that it's, fi- it's fine. Well, I want to say that's a clanging symbol when we do that. And, and yes, there's, there's right and appropriate times of financial aid is, is great, and sometimes it, it's a really good me- means. But I know that I can be guilty of it. And in fact, we've um, had Compassion Childs through the years, and one Compassion Child that, that I had sponsored for a number of years, they've just kind of graduated. And so I've, I've just paused it for a second and not jumped into sponsoring another compassion child because every single time the letters come through my door, I feel that little challenge and I just go, am I praying for this person? Am I writing to them? Am I giving them my attention? Or am I just throwing my £25 a month at them each month and kind of hoping that it's all all right and making me feel better? And the answer was that that was genuinely what I was doing a lot of the time. So I've paused it and I've gone, I'm going to revisit this and I'm going to make sure that I can give it my attention as well as my action. Um, great. Uh, so, but then what happens if we combine attention with um, action? Well, it's powerful. We saw that. Jesus did this and it changed things. We need both. Jesus gave his attention and his action to the leper and to so many other people and it was powerful. Things changed People became Christians, people were healed, people's lives were changed, people were transformed. We need both. We need both. If we want to be moved with compassion, we need to embrace the heartbreak. We need to engage the heart. We need to build empathy. And we want to grow in understanding with people. And we want to give it our attention to the, the things seen and unseen. But then we want to give it our action as well. We need to do something as a result of it because that's what's powerful. Great. Shall we pray? I'm going to invite you all to stand. Just to say, I did, I did mean to say this right at the start. This, this message is, is supposed to be a thing of the heart. And so, you know, I, I really, really want to pray that if there's any, any condemnation at all, that, you know, that falls away straight away. That is not what we're into this evening. We're into stirring our hearts. We want our hearts to be stirred. It's not about making anyone feel bad or guilty or anything like that. It's about saying, God, break our hearts. We sang right at the start of our time together, to you our hearts are open. And so that, you know, that is my, my warm prayer for us this evening, that our hearts would be open and that he would be the one that would do the speaking. He would be the one that would show us the places where we might want to give our attention or our action a little bit more. It's not for me to suggest what, what you do or don't do in this area. I really want to pray that, that this lands well. Jesus, we want to thank you that you are the ultimate model of compassion. You, you went to the furthest possible point of, of having your body broken for us to show us your compassion, to, to give us your attention. You're always available. You are the most interruptible person we could possibly know. There's nothing that is off limits for you. There's no situation that you wouldn't give it your time. No situation that you wouldn't so welcome ushering in your your action and your power. 
And so we, we want to pray, Lord, that you would just show us how to grow in this. That's, that's what we're hoping for this evening, that, that we would grow in our heartbreak, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. So come, Holy Spirit, come and be with us. Come and speak to us, Lord. There's, there's probably a few ways that, that we might end up responding, and there's a couple of things specific that, that I might share, but maybe if, if, you just, if you're just there now and you just think, you know what, I'm ready to ask God to break my heart. I'm ready to ask God to move me with compassion. And there's just some space at the front. We'd love to invite you to just, just come now, make a stand, take some action, and someone will come and, and pray with you. So don't, don't hold back. We'd love to pray. Maybe you want to ask God for some courage to make those costly decisions, to take those costly moments, take those risks. Maybe, maybe there's something that you know actually that God has placed on your heart, but it's, it's going to feel like a risk for you to take it, and you, you want someone to come and stand and pray with you about that. You, you'd be so welcome to come forward for that. Maybe you want to ask Jesus either where you are or, or up at the front, who, who needs my attention? Who around me needs my attention? Maybe there's a prayer about being a bit more interruptible, being a bit more available to him and to others around you. So do, do come forward if, if there's anything that you want uh, prayer for. And it, and it could well, of course, be, as, as we do every week, it could be that you're that person that just needs that compassion and there's something in your life that you need breakthrough, you need someone to stand with you. Well, come forward to whatever it is. Um, we'd love to pray with you. We want, we want a whole lot of been moved by compassion going on this evening down here in this space, not because it's a special space, just because practically it works. And um, we believe it's a bit of a sign to God of taking a step forward, moving closer. So we're going to give plenty of space. We could have some people to come and pray. That would be great.